And as we looked at how do we pray, we looked at some passages of Scripture where Jesus talks about that we pray by approaching our Heavenly Father like a child. That we ask like a child, we believe like a child. And that's how we pray. We should approach God in that way. And then on Monday evening, I showed how we must learn to trust again by following Jesus out of cynicism. That's an important part, that the opposite of childlike faith is a critical and cynical spirit, and so we have to walk out of that by following Jesus out of it. And then last night, we learned that we can pray boldly by surrendering completely. We can ask. You know, we don't want to fall in that chasm where we don't ask, so we should ask, but we also should ask in an unselfish manner that we surrender completely to what God's will is. And now this evening, what we're going to do is talk about living in our Father's story. And what we're going to find is living in God's story is better than living outside of it. Living in God's story is far better than living outside of it. Um, I was reflecting on last night, and I shared how in our coming here, part of that for me was to just, number one, identify yourself well. <laughs> you got to start there. And then to disown it, and I needed to do that. But what I didn't piggyback onto that story, and I feel like this is a good place to do that, is then when God's will becomes your will, you find greater hope and deeper joy than you could ever hope to find in your own will. You really do. So I would encourage you, pursue God's will, because that's absolutely been our experience here and in other times as well, that once we land on God's will, there's no greater place to be. Um, and it's been such a joy to, to be able to live out God's will and not simply our own. So the first point I want to get into tonight is that living in God's story is better than living outside of it because everyone experiences hardship. I've talked about that. Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. God actually takes everyone he loves through a desert. We don't necessarily like to think that, but he does. It is his cure for our wandering hearts, restlessly searching for a new Eden. I don't know if you've thought of it that way. And here's what happens in the wilderness. So because God loves us, he leads us into the wilderness. Jesus, we see the same thing for him. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. And here's what happens there. The first thing is we slowly give up the fight. Our wills are broken. So again, disowning our own wills. Our wills are broken by the reality of our circumstances. The things that brought us life, they gradually die. There are other things in this life that can, on a surface level, bring us life, but those things begin to die in the wilderness. Our idols die for lack of food. The still, dry air of the desert brings the sense of helplessness that is crucial to a spirit of prayer. So God brings us to the wilderness to, bring us, to give us dependence upon him. You come face to face with your inability to live, to have joy, to do anything of lasting worth on your own, because life is crushing you. Suffering burns away the false selves created by cynicism or pride. You stop caring about what people think of you. The desert is God's best hope for the creation of an authentic self. Desert life transforms people. You may have no idea that you're changing. You simply notice after you've been in the desert a while that you are different. And sometimes others will comment. They're like, you just seem kind of different because you've been walking through some things and God has met you there. Things that used to be important no longer matter. The desert becomes a window to the heart of God. He finally gets your attention because he's the only game in town. And you cry out to God so long and so often that a channel begins to open up between you and God in the wilderness. When driving, you turn off the radio just to be with God. At night, you drift in and out of prayer when you are sleeping. 
and without realizing it, you've learned to pray continuously. So we must learn to live in God's story. We must learn to embrace the wilderness as a part of God's story. Trust that the best is yet to come. Living in God's story is better than living outside of it because everyone experiences hardship. So it's far better if you experience that hardship while you understand you're in the midst of God's care. And living in God's story is better than living outside of it because we can recognize his handiwork. When we're living in his story, we can see with clear eyes God's at work here. When we're in the middle of the desert, we feel like God is absent. We long for God to show himself clearly to make sense of the mess. When we suffer, we long for God to speak clearly, to tell us the end of the story, and most of all, to show himself. But if he showed himself fully and immediately, if he answered all the questions, we'd never grow. We'd never emerge from our worldly selves, our cocoon, really, because we'd be forever dependent on what the world has to offer and not God. Eventually, we've got to emerge out of that. The wilderness teaches us to be dependent on God and God alone. And the reason God wants us solely dependent upon him is because he wants us to understand our lives, our stories. How many know the Bible is written in story form? Because God works through stories. He works through our lives. A part, in fact, our lives are a part of his great story. So how many know how many uh, chapters in the book of Acts? How many chapters? I'm hearing it. 28. So guess what we're living in? Chapter 29, we're we're the ongoing story of God in the world, and he's weaving together this great story, your story, for your good in his glory. But to live in his story, we must live with him at the center. So as a point of self-evaluation, here's a way to tell if you're living in God's story or living outside of it. I want you to think about it for a minute. People who live outside of God's story, they exhibit many of the following qualities— Bitterness, anger, aimlessness, they're cynical, controlling, hopeless, thankless, and blaming. These are the qualities of people who are living outside of God's story. But people living in God's story, they're waiting, they're watching, they're wondering, they're praying, they're submitting, they're hoping, they're thankful, and they're repenting. So what kind of qualities are part of your life? That's how you can tell whether you're living in God's story or you're living outside of God's story. And here's why this matters. Because most of our prayers are answered in the context of the larger story that God is weaving. So if we don't see ourselves in God's story, we're probably not praying very effective prayers. When we see God working in our life story, we can be confident we're not just passing through life without a sovereign God in control. Living in God's story enables us to live with greater peace, knowing he's in charge of it all. He's bringing all things together for our good and his glory. To live in our Father's story, don't demand that the story go your own way. Look for the hand of God. In other words, develop an eye for Jesus. We've talked about that. And stay in the story. Don't shut down when your life story goes in a direction you don't want it to. Living in God's story is better than living outside of it because we can recognize his handiwork if we know he's in charge of it all. And the last point is living in God's story is better than living outside of it because in his story, we can endure all things. 
In his story, we can endure all things. The gospel, which means the good news, is a story of challenge and triumph. That really is what the gospel story is. So for us to live in God's story, we must learn to live in both tragedy and triumph. In other words, God continues the same old story. He's continuing to tell the gospel story, and he tells it through our lives. So when people watch you deal with tragedy, when they watch you deal with challenge, and when God takes you through to the other side and you triumph, you become a visual representation of the gospel in their lives. Gospel stories, the story that you and I are in, always have suffering in them. American Christianity has an allergic reaction to this part of the gospel. We appreciate God's love for us, but suffering doesn't mesh with our right to the pursuit of happiness. So we pray to escape the very story God has for us when it is the best gift the Father can give us. This is why it's important that you can pray boldly, but only as you surrender completely. We need to understand the story that we're in. The Father wants to draw us into the story of his Son. Think about what the story of Jesus is. For us to be drawn into that story, we have to embrace both challenge and triumph. He doesn't have a better story to tell, so he keeps retelling it in our lives. As we reenact the gospel, we're drawn into a strange kind of fellowship. When you read Paul in Philippians, this is exactly what he's talking about. Oh, how I want to participate in the sufferings of Christ. Who says that? Somebody who understands they're living in God's gospel story. But simply staying in the story, continuing to show up for life, even if it seems hard, that's when the kingdom comes. And here's the best part. If we stop fighting and embrace the gospel story God is weaving in our lives, we discover true hope and ultimate joy. If we pursue joy directly, like if we're searching for joy, it slips from our grasp. But if we begin with Jesus and learn to love, we end up with joy and we end up with hope. I want to say that again. If we begin with Jesus and we learn to love, then we end up with joy and we end up with hope. We see how everything is connected to the grand and great story God is weaving between all of our lives. In case you didn't know it, all of our lives are interconnected. Uh, at some point, we've got to start living that way. We do not live in a fixed world. We live in our Father's world, a world built for divine relationships between people, where because of the good news, tragedies become triumphs and hope is born. Living in God's story is better than living outside of it. It really is. Um, so our prayer, my prayer tonight, really, as we head into these prayer points and head into a time of prayer, is that you begin to see with open eyes where God's story is being lived out in your life. Where do you see his activity? How do you see yourself fitting into the good news of both tragedy and triumph? Because that becomes a witness to the world of Jesus and you.